This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050. You people, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. I'm just about that action, boss. Oh, yeah! Happy Friday, everybody. Toronto Today on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. I'm Andy McNamara, heading into the Labor Day long weekend. Summer's done, folks. It's over. Bye-bye. Wow, that went quickly. But we, there, there is so much to talk to. We got, we got Maple Leaf Training Camp coming up September 13th. We'll chat with James Merlin in about 20 minutes' time. The Rookie Tournament is coming up as well. And so we'll, we'll talk to James about who he's going to be keeping his eye out for with the rookie tournament roster of the Maple Leafs announced yesterday. Who's he keeping in his eye for? And we'll ask him a couple big picture questions on the Leafs. 1140, Matthew Shinetti, TSN CFL reporter. Outside the Grey Cup, this is the biggest weekend in the Canadian Football League because everything really starts this weekend and beyond. The push to the playoffs. So we got the Argos coming up Monday, Labor Day Classic in Hamilton versus the Ticats in a, a huge game. Huge game for both teams when it comes to the East Division and the standings. That's going to be on the station at 6.30 p.m. So you can listen to that Monday. Argos 3-6, and six, Ticats 4-5. and five. If Hamilton wins, not only do they still keep pace with the Red Blacks, but the Argos just get pushed further down. This is close to a must-win. Now they go back-to-back. But this is a huge game for the Argos. McLeod Bethel-Thompson at quarterback. And really just to see what this season is going to be like. All kicks off tonight with the Montreal Alouettes taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks. Johnny Manziel will not start. It's going to be Pigskin Pipkin, as I coined him. Antonio Pipkin starting as Johnny's coming out of concussion protocol, getting reacclimatized with everything. So that goes tonight. Sunday, it's uh, Banjo Bowl time. Winnipeg at Saskatchewan, then Edmonton, Calgary. Monday, the early game at 3. And then, as I said, 6.30 p.m., Argonauts, Ticats here on TSN 1050. And all the games can be seen on TSN television. So we'll go over some CFL storylines. Johnny Menzel, Argos with Matthew Shinetti at 11.40. 12.20, it's NFL time. Andrew Garda. We'll talk about big picture NFL storylines, fantasy football heading into this last weekend of the preseason. Started yesterday. It wraps up. If you haven't had your draft, you will. Work pool, whatever, standard, snake draft, PPR. We're going to cover it all. And specifically, some quarterbacks not to sleep on. And also some under-the-radar guys. So we'll go over that and a whole lot more with Andrew Garda at 1220 from Pro Football Weekly. Let's... Let's begin with a, a, a Toronto sports poll here, folks, okay? And this is where you can vote, at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81 on Twitter. After the moves the Raptors and the Leafs made this summer, and expectations at an all-time high for both teams, what's more likely to happen this season? The Leafs make the Cup Final, the Raptors in the NBA Finals, Leafs and Raptors make the Finals, could you imagine that? Or, neither make the finals. So Leafs make the cup final, Raptors in the NBA finals, Leafs and Raps make the finals, or neither makes the finals. This is where we're at as a city 
and sports fan expectations. Just think about a couple years ago. This question would have been absurd. Would have been, what? Fine, get out of here. No. Now, it still might be a little bit of a long shot, but it's possible. You can connect the dots to seeing these situations happening for both teams. How exciting is that? So you can vote there at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. My pick is, I think it's easy to say that neither will make the finals just because that's the odds of it, right? You have two leagues, 30-plus teams. The odds of both making the final, or even one making the final, are, are long. But I think the Raptors' path to the finals, not winning, is easier than the Maple Leafs. Now, the Leafs, I think you have more meat. You have more you can point to and say, okay, I know what John Tavares can do. I don't know what he can do on the Leafs, but I know he's in his prime. I know Matthews. I got Kadri lined up down the middle. I got Freddie Anderson in the back. I know this this team, and you can also point to, as I've been doing to for weeks on TSN 1050, saying the Pittsburgh model. Don't need the stellar defense. Control the play up front. Great goaltending in the back. Right? You can you can find and say, okay, but you have a lot to go through to get to the finals, including in your own division, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have only got better. The Boston Bruins, who are still there. I think they're going to take a bit of a step back, but you can't count them out. You change that up with the Raptors. The giant unknown, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard comes back and plays like he did two years ago before injury. As a top five NBA player, guy goes balls out playing for himself, playing for a big contract. If he's at an all-star level with the rest of that team in the depth, really, if you taking injury out of it, the only team they really have to worry about is the Boston Celtics dark horse Philly. So for the Leafs, you have a lot more obstacles and hurdles to get over than the Raptors. If everything goes right, everything goes right for the Raptors. Got to get by Boston. You get by Boston, you're going to the finals. So I'll vote Raptors in the NBA finals. Boy, would I love Leafs and Raptors both in the finals. Could this city take it? Could you take it as a Toronto sports fan if both the Leafs and the Raptors were in the finals? We'd just be euphoric. It would just be, be floating around the city. But I'll say the Raptors in the NBA finals. And you can vote on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. What's more likely to happen this season with expectations at an all-time high? Leafs make the cup final. Raptors in the NBA finals. Leafs and Raps make the finals. Or neither makes the finals. Let's go behind the glass. Producer Joe Narsa. Joe, I'm saying Raptors in the NBA finals because they have fewer obstacles to overcome. But they have that great unknown in Kawhi Leonard. How are you voting on this poll? I think that's the safe bet. Um, it's the gutsy bet, Joe. I say gutsy bet. I'd say most likely to happen. For some reason, my gut's saying the Leafs make the Cup final. Wow! But the reason why is because the Eastern Conference has been very status quo up until this season. Like having the Washington Capitals do what they did on a year that not a lot of people expected them to be contenders, especially after the losses they had and the players that moved on. The East. And even the NHL in general, the parody makes it so interesting. And there's something about the Raptors that I still don't know about. And because they seem like such an unknown... They have the great question. But Joe, the, the Leafs might not be the best team in their own division. 
with yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning but and the Boston say, Bruins. I think the Leafs have the opportunity of being... They have a chance of being the best team in their division because... They do. Their, their wild card is that their decor is nowhere near as good as Tampa's, and that's going to be what is going to supersede the Leafs. But offensively, you might give the edge to the Leafs, maybe. And goaltending is probably a wash, depending on who's playing better that night. Vasilevsky's a very good goalie, yeah. and so is Anderson. And you can have, though... The, the Maple Leafs blueprint of Washington, of Pittsburgh, without having elite defenses to win titles. Right? Like, But, Joe, if we look at it this way, look at what the Leafs would have to overcome to get to the finals. And listen, no one wants them to be more, to be more on than me. That'd be, that'd be phenomenal. But the Leafs have to get by. Boston, who had 112 points last year. Tampa Bay, who's gotten better, 113 points. Washington, who won the Cup. Pittsburgh, you know, is going to be there. Then you got sneaky guys like maybe even hey, a little little Philadelphia jumping up. Who knows, right? So you have at least four teams, maybe five, that the Leafs have to get through. Whereas for the Raptors, and this again, it, we know more about what this Leafs team can be. And John Tavares is coming off of a, a very good season. Kawhi Leonard's coming off of missing a whole season, just playing nine games. So we, we know we can kind of picture more what the Leafs are. But for the Raptors, as far as overcoming, you got to get by Boston and maybe Philly. And that's it. Right? That, as far as getting to the finals, you have fewer hurdles to overcome if you're the Raptors. And then I, but then I look at the Raptors, and I think this is the same team that somehow plays Milwaukee and always struggles, has played against, you know... The, it's not the same team, though. we no, got Kawhi. I, I know that. I know that. But that's where... As much as you think that it's one team the Raptors need to get through, I don't believe I don't know how far the Raptors could potentially go because I'm still worried about them before they get to the Celtics. If that makes much sense for you, I I, I agree with you in the sense that we we've been disappointed and burned by the Raptors before, right? They've had these expectations. They, they were the top seed in the East. Right? And they didn't get it done. The difference is you've shaken up this core big time with one move. DeMar DeRozan out, Kawhi Leonard in. If Kawhi Leonard's a bust, or he's so-so, or he's not dominant, raps aren't going anywhere. Right? That's it. They're not going anywhere. If he is, then yeah, you got team, you got teams that can jump up and bite you, sure. Milwaukee's getting better. Philly's getting better. Boston's right there. A lot of star power. Washington always seems to be a, a pain in the Raptors behind. Like You have, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but as far as, at this point, legit obstacles to overcome, Raptors have fewer of them if Kawhi Leonard is a stud. That's what they have to overcome. Early poll results say Leafs making the cup finals is more likely at 39%. Neither making the finals comes in second at 33%. Raptors in the NBA finals, that's my vote, 15%. Or Leafs and Raptors making the finals also at 13%. That would be wild if both made it. Yeah, like, yeah. you have to think of when, when making the finals, what's the path? Right? How do, how do they get there? How do, what, what is the playoff structure? What's the journey? going to look like. Really, for the Leafs, if they don't win the Atlantic, which is a tall order, after we know how good the Tampa Bay Lightning are, if they don't win, if they win the Atlantic, 
You get the wild card matchup first, right? That's what you that's what you want. If you finish second or third again, then you're probably going to be playing the Bruins. Achilles heel, right? At least to this point. And if they overtake the Lightning, which I don't think they will, but then you have to play Tampa Bay. It's a tougher journey. Whereas if the Raptors are going, and they have to, hey, listen, even with Kawhi Leonard, Raptors have to prove that they're not going to choke. They have to. That's what the organization has done in the playoffs. They've choked. Haven't, haven't risen up. That was with a different core, though. They've reached the height of regular season success the Raptors have. You, you won the East in the regular season. You got the top seed. Nothing more you can do there. Now it's about delivering in the playoffs. The Maple Leafs are still ascending to that. What are they going to do coming off of that 105-point season? How are you going to use John Tavares? How are you going to use Tavares, Matthews, Marner on the power play? There's a lot of questions, but I think the Leafs have more to overcome than the Raptors do as a whole. Fun discussion to have, though, from a couple years ago where this would have just been a ridiculous conversation to have. So you can vote again at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81 on Twitter. After the moves the Raps and Leafs made this summer and expectations at an all-time high, what's more likely to happen this season? Leafs make the Cup Final, Raptors and NBA Finals, Leafs and Raps make the Finals. Neither makes the Finals. We'll talk some Maple Leafs. Rookie tournament roster was released, uh, released yesterday by the Leafs. We'll talk about that and some storylines. Getting ready for Maple Leafs training camp with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of the Athletic Toronto, next here on Toronto Today. Andy McNamara with you till 1 o'clock. Heading into the Labor Day long weekend on TSN 1050. Drive safe, everybody. Hope you have a great long weekend. The last big one of the summer. Still to come in the show. Some CFL talk. This is the real kickoff towards the push to the Grey Cup. TSN Television has it. you covered starting tonight in Montreal and Toronto. Monday at 6.30 here on TSN 1050. Argos and Ticats in Hamilton in a crucial CFL East Division battle. Matthew Shinetti, CFL and TSN reporter, joins me in about 20 minutes' time. Then we'll talk some NFL and fantasy football at 12 at 12:20 with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly. But it's never too early to talk some Maple Leafs. James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic Toronto, on the line. James, how are you, man? I'm good, Andy. How's it going? Doing well, my friend. Doing well. Hey, we're we're just about well. What uh, September 13th is training camp. We got the rookie tournament roster was released yesterday, and that's where the uh, the Maple Leafs will play uh, so a rookie showdown between teams from uh, Montreal, from the Senators. When you look at this types of tournaments, and they have it every year, what ultimately, like big picture, what do you look to get out of it? Is it is it progress? Is it how these youngsters play as a unit against other prospects? Like, what do you look to take out of this rookie tournament? I remember going back to when Jake Gardner first played in one of these tournaments. I think it was 2011, when it was the year that they acquired him in, in the trade um, that uh, that sent Boschman to, to Anaheim. Um, when they acquired Jake Gardner and he played in one of these tournaments, and he was just heads and tails better than everybody else. Like he was, he was so good, and he didn't. He came in as you know a mid-level first-round pick and a guy that the team who had him had had given up on, and it was like oh. Who knows what we're going to get out of this guy? And he was so good at the rookie tournament, and then he was excellent as as a rookie under Ron Wilson back then. Um, sometimes you can see that kind of talent, that NHL level talent, really early on, and in these tournaments when 
they just they just prove that how much better they are than everybody else. So that's what I'm looking for. Mm. I don't know if there's anybody on this Leafs roster that's going to be able to accomplish that, but you probably want to see a Grunstrom and a Lilgren and some of the guys that have already played at least a year with the Marlies, um, or or in, in Grunstrom's case, uh, pro in Sweden. You want to see them distinguish themselves over everybody else. Right, and then from a curiosity standpoint, too, Maple Leafs 29th overall pick, Rasmus Sandin. You got yeah. the, the, the. I love, James, how we're looking at this Maple Leafs team, and the question at the big club level is, okay, how are you going to improve the defense? But you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If these prospects work out, you have Lilligren, who's coming up. You'd have to think maybe next year could be his time. Then you have Sandine at, right behind him. So as far as having players in the pipeline with the potential to step up, never mind, we saw Travis Dermott in 37 games last year shine, what you could get in him. That defense, which a lot of Leaf fans are fretting about, real soon might be looking pretty good. Yeah, and at the very least, they're going to have guys on entry-level contracts yeah. who are going to be able to play in the NHL for dirt cheap. And, you know, maybe they're only third-pair guys, but there's certainly, as you said, there's certainly possibilities there, and that's what you want to see. And we did the the, the ranking of the farm systems of all 31 NHL teams at, at the Athletic. Corey Pronman did it, and the Leafs came in, in in 19th. And I think that's probably about where they deserve to be. But if you look at, in terms of uh, NHL teams, 23 and under players, the Leafs might have the best group in the whole league. Wow. So, you know, they've graduated a lot of players, obviously, from and a lot of their picks of Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, guys that didn't even have to go through uh, the farm system, really went right into the NHL. Um, but what one of the things that Kyle Dubas is going to try and do is restock that farm system and make sure that the, Leafs, the Leafs at the NHL level are not only one of the top five teams, but they also have one of the top five uh, farm systems, which is hard to do, but that's uh, certainly why you've seen Kyle Dubas uh, rearranged the scouting department a lot this offseason. Well, James, that ultimately, like when Babcock came in with Shanahan, the goal, one of the goals was make it like that feeder system that they had in Detroit. It was always okay. You had a veteran group. You had the young crop coming up from the minors. They learned from the veterans. Then they taught the next group. And then it, you just got the culture of what it meant to be a Detroit Red Wing. And I think over this, this tenure right now, we're seeing that being built where, as you said, you have guys coming up and having some success. And then when new players come up, they learn the way to play as, as a Maple Leaf under this, this structure. Do you think they're on the right path for, for that, like kind of that Detroit model? It's too early to say, I would say. I mean, it's going to depend how this 2018 draft goes. I mean, I look yeah. at 2016 and 2017, and I don't know that necessarily, other than obviously the first-round pick, I don't know if they got enough talent out of those drafts. Um, to restock the system to the extent they need. What Detroit did so well, obviously, is they hit on later picks. Yeah. You know, and so they had good teams, like you're talking about. This is before the salary cap, too. But they had yeah. good they had good teams, and then all of a sudden there would be a Datsuk or a Zetterberg or a Johan, Johan Franz, and, and those guys would come up, and they got he got him on the fourth or the third line and their later picks. And as a fan... Or I remember, you know, growing up and and not being a fan of the Red Wings and cheering for teams that that were playing them, and it's like, oh man, now they got this Zetterberg guy, and you know, and all of a sudden he's uh, lighting it up. You know, that's where the Leafs want to get is they want to have um, pieces that they draft in the second, third, and fourth round be able to step in and and be difference makers and and do so for uh, under a million bucks on an entry level deal. 
in conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, on Twitter, at Myrtle. And folks, don't forget, next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Leafs Lunch right here on TSN 1050. So, James, let's move on from rookie tournament. We'll hope, hey, it would be great if someone really stood out and kind of caught our attention. But that'll be leading in to training camp. And now we get into the fun, big-picture ideas of what this Leaf season could be. And we put a Twitter poll up there uh, as far as the expectations at an all-time high in the city for both the Leafs and the Raptors. And the, the question is, what's more likely to happen? Leafs or Raptors or both get to the finals or neither? I won't ask you to answer that one, but as far as the journey that the Leafs have to get to that point, to a conference finals... It's tough because they're not necessarily the best team in their own division. When it comes to to hurdles to overcome, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Boston Bruins, Washington, Pittsburgh, how tough do you think it is going to be for the Leafs this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's you know, as you said, their division is, is probably the best in the league. I mean, obviously there's some, some real weak points at the yeah, low yeah. end of the division, but they're going to be battling with, I think Florida's going to be better. I think Buffalo's going to be better. I think that there's going to be more of a challenge uh, from some of the middle teams. Um, but what I think the Leafs, one of the goals, and I, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Babcock comes right out and says this uh, on the first day of training camp, one of their goals has to be to win the division because then you avoid uh, having to play through both Tampa and Boston in yeah. rounds one and rounds two. Um, and then and your path gets much easier. I mean, if you win your division, you, you all of a sudden you're playing a wild card team who's not necessarily a weak team, but it's going to be a weaker team than a Tampa or a Boston. So, you know, I'm sure that there's going to be more focus on on putting up more points in the regular season. They had 105 last year uh, with the addition of Tavares, with a full season with Dermott, uh, with some of the other changes and a more skilled fourth line and some more development from the young guys. They're going to be hoping they can get up into that 110, 115 range, and that should be enough to win the Atlantic. Yeah, and that's what you're going to need to do. And that really, if they can do that, that's their best, best path. Uh, James, when you look at the defense, Overall, we've, we've talked about it, right? We went over kind of the, the youth movement coming up that has potential. But the one on the team right now, the Maple Leafs didn't make any sort of real big move. And in part, hey, listen, salary cap structure, you've got John Tavares. Do you think it's more, though, a wait and see to, to see, okay, what does Travis Dermott do the first chunk of the season? What does the rest of this group do with a Tavares in the lineup? And then maybe at that Christmas or into the New Year uh, time frame, then look to make a move on defense if it makes sense? I mean, I think they would make a move now if there was one to make. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, I think that they've, they've looked into that and, and tried to pursue something, and it hasn't come together. So, you know, it's, you don't want to make a dumb deal. Right. You know? so, and you don't want to give up too much, and you don't want to panic. And I think that they, Kyle Dubas has really come out in defense of his defense. Right. <laughs> to, to repeat myself, um, you know, he liked what the mix that the Marlies had. I think he wants to give some of those guys more of a look. Maybe it's a Justin Hall or um, maybe it's uh, uh, Igor Ozaganov who's coming over from the KHL. I think that he wants to see some of these players play in minutes. And the other thing I wonder is maybe potentially you could see uh, someone like Travis Dermott play on the right side. Hmm. I'm interested to see what they do with the first pair. I think that that's going to be integral because part of why they struggled against Boston and down the stretch a little bit as well was that Ron Hainsey really slowed down because he was playing so many minutes. Um, They need to figure out, is there a different option they can use on the first pair with Morgan Riley to play against top lines? And um, is there another option that they can use on the penalty kill now that Roman Polak's gone so that, that Hainsey and Zaitsev aren't playing ridiculous minutes because that really hurt them against Boston in the playoffs as well. So, you know, those are probably the two keys I'm looking for uh, in terms of that defense battle. 
And also with Hainsey, as nice of a job as he did, if, big picture overall, when you get up to that, those late 30s, 37, getting into 30, like that makes me so nervous, James, when you're relying on a guy as much as they did last year at that age because either you can slow down or, hey, as we've seen, sometimes father time just smacks you in the mouth, right? And then you just lose yeah. that extra step. Yeah, and he's not the fastest guy. No, no. I remember talking to him on the locker cleanout day after the season and, and asking him about fatigue and, you know, he didn't say no, that he wasn't tired and they only went seven games in the first round. So, you know, if if... You know, the Leafs have designs on being a team that can play two months in the playoffs, not not just a couple of weeks. So you, you don't want to be burning guys like, like Ron Hainsey out. No, not at all. In conversation with James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto on Twitter, at Myrtle. Let's talk backup goalies here, James. Everybody loves backup goaltender situation. We got Freddie <laughs> Anderson. And you know what? It's great we can have this conversation rather than, okay, are they going to make the playoffs, right? Like, now we can get deeper, and that means the team is good. So it's, it's a good problem to have. But now you have Freddie Anderson out front. And I think everybody could agree that if you can have a viable option to take more pressure off of him ease the workload a little bit, and keep him fresher come playoff time, that would be ideal. The question being, McElhaney did well, but at some point you got to reward Garrett Sparks. HL goaltender of the year won the Calder Cup. How do you think this is going to play out? Yeah, I mean, I think that Garrett Sparks is going to win the job. I mean, the two options here are the Leafs either trade him or yeah. they give him the job as the backup. And I would want to see what he can do. Me too. You know, Fred, Frederick Anderson has been... I would say uh, an above average number one goaltender. He, sure. he hasn't been unbelievable. He hasn't been poor. Um, you know, he, I put him, I, I, I think I saw a list that had him 12th as the 12th best goalie in the league. That's probably about the right spot yeah. for Frederick Anderson. But there's no problem in challenging him. And there's no problem in giving yourself more options. There's no problem in having someone that when Anderson struggles or when he's fatigued or late in the year when you've clinch the playoff spot and maybe even division uh, to give more starts to somebody else. We know what Curtis McElhaney is. We know that he's going to max out at, you know, 15 starts a mm-hmm. season. Uh, why not get a guy in the net like Garrett Sparks who who can play more than that? So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I think that that makes sense. you got to think about more than just this coming season. Curtis McElhaney is another guy who's moving into his late 30s. Yeah. And Garrett Sparks could be part of the future uh, solution in goal. For the Leafs, and if he has a great year in in 25 games as a backup, all of a sudden his trade value goes up, and you can then you have a decision to make on which goal you want to be your number one. Sure, boy, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm with you. That's got to be the the answer there with Garrett Sparks. Uh, James, great stuff as always, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Andy. James Myrtle, editor in chief of the Athletic Toronto on Twitter at Myrtle. I just don't see how you can send Sparks back to the AHL, back to the Marlies. I don't see how you could. Because what that ends up doing at some point is sending a message in the minors to, well, we can be great and not being rewarded. And it's human nature. You do great work time and time again. You don't get rewarded. Then at some point you think, well, what, what the hell's the point? What, what am I doing? What do I have to do to make it to the big leagues? And for Sparks, goaltender of the year, won the Calder, got to reward him. But you also have to play him. And not just 15 to 18 games like McElhaney would do. As James said, 25, heck, maybe 30. You have to balance, right? You have to have that balance of you don't want your goaltenders to get cold. You want them to be in a rhythm, but it has to be more than playing on the second leg of a, of a, a doubleheader, of a back-to-back. Has to be more than that. 
And then Freddie Anderson's fresher. Garrett Sparks gets confidence, keeps rolling along, right? Keeps He doesn't get rusty. And come playoff time, you got the option. Freddie Anderson goes in. If he struggles a little bit, you have the option. And as James said, from a future standpoint, what if Sparks comes in every game? Dude looks awesome. Then you have a great problem to have. Then you have possibly some trade bait. Let's say if you want to go try to get an upgrade on defense. Maybe you trade one of those guys. But that's why you have to have Sparks play more than McElhinney and rest Anderson. Now, that's going to be a Mike Babcock decision. That's going to be something he's going to need to be on board with and not just ride the goaltender into the ground because come playoff time, Anderson was he was tired. He was starting to get burnt out a little bit. You need to be hitting your stride come playoff time. You don't need guys wearing down like Hainsey and Anderson. You need guys hitting their stride. You need to be going in the right direction on a flow. You can have all the points from a big pitcher and win the division. That's fine. But if you're tired, you're, you're struggling, you're not engaged, you're burnt out come playoff time, then it's going to be an early exit. And that's what we need to avoid, right? So I, I think Sparks really, really is the only option. As far as a backup. McLean has done a nice job, but you got to go with Garrett Sparks here. Still to come in the show, we'll talk some CFL. Matthew Shinetti, CFL and TSN reporter, will be next. It is Labor Day weekend in the Canadian Football League. It's prime time. It's, it's Grey Cup, then it's Labor Day weekend in the CFL. Huge matchup between the Argos and the Ticats. That is Monday on Labor Day, 6.30 kickoff on TSN 1050. And then all weekend starting tonight, Alouettes and Red Blacks on TSN television. And we'll talk some NFL with Andrew Garda at 12.20. Let's get into some CFL next here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050. Back to Toronto Today on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Andy McNamara with you till 1 o'clock, heading into the Labor Day long weekend. Can't wait for that. NFL preseason wrapping up CFL. Labor Day classics going on. Blue Jays playing. NHL's right around the corner. Raptors soon. Man, there is a lot to be excited about, you know, except for the Blue Jays who are playing the Marlins. Oh, man. There's still like a month of Jays left. Good Lord. Man. And with no, like, Vladdy Guerrero Jr., like, ugh. It's just like a limp. You're just, just trying to see what happens. Just trying to figure out what goes on. With this Jays team that makes it interesting at all. The waiver trade deadline today, if they make any sort of deal, it'll be for scraps, right? Just yeah, just basic minor leaguers, maybe with some upside. Josh Donaldson, you know, still nursing a leg, getting back in a little bit in a rehab start. There's nothing to really follow there. But there is plenty to follow in. The Canadian Football League. And one of my favorite guys, Matthew Shinetti, CFL and TSN reporter, always does such a great job. Matty, how are you? Not too bad, Andy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Like, we start tonight with the Labor Day games. You have Johnny Manziel, who's returned to play, but it looks like Antonio Pipkin is going to be in instead against the Red Blacks. And when you look at, at the quarterback situation in Montreal here, Matt, is it okay? They want to make sure, give Johnny, he didn't really practice, another full week of practice and get back in. Like, even if Pipkin upsets the Red Blacks, you got to go back to Johnny for all that you gave up for him, don't you? Yeah, here's the, here's the deal with what's going on in Montreal. And uh, it, it, on, 
on the surface, Andy, it could look a lot like what happened in um, in Hamilton with uh, with Jeremiah Masoli. It's not one reason in particular is that Antonio Pipkin will be making his third start, and it's interesting. Nick Lewis tweeted something out today saying that the the Alouettes uh, now have a quarterback they can win with, with, with in Antonio Pipkin. Um, I understand Nick Lewis being a two-time Grey Cup champion. It's the same same thing um, a friend of ours, Matt Black with the Argos, has, has been saying as well. Uh, I'd really like many of these CFL players to be more transparent with the fact that they don't like Johnny Menzel. There is, <laughs> there is, a, there is a very, very tangible, I can tell you on the sidelines, dislike for Johnny Manziel and all, all he's brought to the CFL. Hmm. That's fine. The reason it's different in Montreal is that Mike Sherman has a belief and has bought in. And, and, and I'm not going to say hitched his wagon to Manziel, but he has a firm belief that Manziel can play well in this league. That does not diminish, diminish what Antonio Pipkin did, 300 yards passing and two rushing touchdowns uh, against the Argos last week. But be very mindful that Antonio Pipkin also got released by the Alouettes before the season started and was sitting on his couch. Huh. Again, not to dismiss what he's what he's done, but he's in there right now because Johnny Manziel is injured. The Alouettes, as, although a lot of their moves this summer have made no sense, have brought Johnny Manziel in, yes, for a market, for marketing reasons, but also because of the connection he has with Mike Sherman and to see if he can learn under Kahari Jones. I would be shocked if we don't see Johnny Manziel in some kind of package tonight uh, to kind of further his CFL education. Or who knows? Uh, listen, the way that Montreal has, has operated, it also wouldn't surprise me, although I, don't necessarily, I, I do agree with you, he should get an extra week. If ten, Antonio Pipkin starts to struggle, and all of a sudden they pull the chute and uh, put Manziel in. Hmm. But I think this is a very different situation than Hamilton, where Jeremiah Masoli was an established starter, was an established veteran in the CFL. I, I don't necessarily think there is any tangible quarterback controversy uh, in Montreal right now. Yeah, I'm with you. It's much easier to go back from an Antonio Pipkin in that sense. And and really, like, they don't, uh, Matt, at some point, they don't really have a choice. Like, if you're ownership of the Alouettes and you say, no, we're going to sit Johnny and play Pipkin going forward, well, then wouldn't my thinking be, well, why the heck did you give up our future, our present, and everything to give this guy a shot? Get him the hell in there. Like, yeah, that's got to come into it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But then again, you know, this is also the team that traded for uh, Landon Rice as part of sure. the Johnny yeah. Menzel trade and released him yeah. uh, just a couple of days ago when he got signed. But the offensive lineman just got signed again by the Hamilton Tire Cats. Ultimately, all eyes were Johnny on, on, on Johnny Menzel. This is good to go back to my point about Nick Lewis and, and guys like Matt Black, established CFL veterans who don't like the fact that Johnny Manziel's come in is making over you know, $250,000 with incentives and has garnered this much attention. You don't like it? That's too bad. We're all talking about Johnny Manziel. If you look on our website, tsn.ca, you look at our, all our social media accounts, anytime we mention Manziel, the, the views go up. People oh. want to see what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, again, that's not to say that you should just throw him into the fire, but he is going to be the story. He, uh, I, I, Montreal certainly, uh, and, and General Manager Kavis Reed, has made it quite clear that they, they want him to be a part of the Alouette's future. Um, but also, given all the situation surrounding that hit that Jonathan Rose laid on Menzel about three weeks ago here in Ottawa, 
uh, at the end of the day, you do have to be careful um, because there also are, as Mike Sherman also stressed a few weeks ago, underlying medical issues that, that Johnny Menzel, the uh, pre-diagnosed medical issues he's dealing with. So, yes, above all, everything else, above quarterback controversy and player opinions and all that stuff, you have to take it. You have to take Menzel's health into consideration because the one thing beyond this game, this week, this season, Johnny Menzel has inserted himself into the CBA negotiations with the with the concussion protocol and then what happened afterwards. So, um, however you want to spin it, look at it. We'll be talking about Johnny Menzel in some uh, way or fashion for the rest of the season. Oh sure, and Matt, it's fascinating to me the storyline for Johnny, his start to his CFL career and NFL career when he finally got into start are almost identical. You had a first outing where he got blown out and embarrassed. The second outing showed improvement, but also got concussed. That was the same thing. He got injured in his second NFL game. And I hope for, for Manziel's sake, like he he has the, the big dog mentality in the little man's body. He plays like he's 6'5", but he's not. And the, the reason why guys, smaller quarterbacks, like if you go to the NFL, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, they're successful is they protect themselves. Get out of bounds, slide, whatever. I hope... That for Johnny's sake, he realizes now I got to start doing that and stop just recklessly throwing my body around. Otherwise, this stint in the CFL is going to be continuously interrupted with injury. If you listen to his podcast over the last couple of weeks, Menzel has tried to go ahead and show a more mature, more uh, eloquent side of him. And in particular, he talked about you know possibly should have stayed at Texas A&M a year longer instead of being drafted by the Browns uh, about four or five years ago. Um, I think he understands that, but there is something about Menzel now that I've seen him on the sidelines, that I've seen him play, uh, that he gets on there and the, the competitive uses start flowing mm-hmm. and he wants to do a whole lot of stuff. And um, I think it kind of, maybe Menzel's situation com- kind of compartmentalizes where football is going. Um, we can't have it both ways. You can't be, um, you can't be so, so obsessed and so rigorous in player safety and then have somebody, uh, and these are young players. Johnny Menzel is only mid, in his mid-20s. He is very much still a young man who is, who is learning and, and maturing. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to reconcile the both of them. And I hope, given Mike Sherman's ample experience in the NFL and in college football, and I hope someone like Kahari Jones, who was the MOP in the CFL, uh, that, you, that you tell someone like Menzel that, self-preservation is so important in football, whether you're, as you said, Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or Mike Riley and out, out in Edmonton. I mean, Mike Riley towers over Johnny Menzel. He's six foot three and about six foot, six foot three inches wide too. And yet he had to learn about self-preservation as well. Um, football is a scary game. It's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. And you have to uh, be very wary of, uh, what you're putting your body into. You know, you go back to that play, as I mentioned, Jonathan Rose hitting Manziel on the goal line. Uh, he could have avoided so much had he just slid, but he wanted to get that touchdown. Um, sometimes you need to, and whatever he wanted to show his teammates, sometimes um, maybe sacrificing that uh, tenacity, that competitiveness, sometimes it's better to um, live and play another, uh, live and play another play uh, then put yourself on the line like that in a game, uh, you know, in the third quarter of week nine. Yeah, exactly. In conversation with Matthew Shinetti, CFL on TSN Reporter on Twitter at TSN Shinetti. Okay, Matt, let's get to the Labor Day Classics. And this, from both sides, like you can look at all 
all four of these games, and each one really does matter. You have in the West, you have Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, where they're battling for that third spot and try to keep pace with Edmonton. Then you got Edmonton, Calgary. Well, pff, heck, Edmonton has to keep going. You got Saskatchewan breathing down their neck. And the wonder, let's talk about now Toronto, Hamilton. Argos get upset by Montreal. They're three and six. Tie Cats at four and five. Argos need to keep pace, and Hamilton's trying to put some distance. Like, what are you expecting out of this game Monday between the Argos and Tie Cats? I expect a lot of offense, um, and, and it has to be that way because the Argos need this win. Uh, they need this win, not necessarily um, to uh, you know get back into the East, but it's also to get away from the crossover. I mean. Beating BC as they did a few weeks back was great because it put distance between them and BC in terms of a West team crossing over. But beating Hamilton will be so key in terms of getting the Argos um, out of that out of that situation. Although with the way that Winnipeg has been playing and and their struggles, um, and then obviously BC still has Travis Luter, that could still be an issue. But what what you have to do if you're McLeod Buffalo Thompson is understand that you're going into an atmosphere uh, unlike anything you've ever experienced in your career because this is only going to be his third start, mm-hmm. um, or, or sorry, it's only his fourth start. And this is this is so this is so interesting on so many levels because uh, the Argos are dealing with so many injuries, um, and you have the Duran Carter factor now coming in, although he won't play. Bethel Thompson. Um, uh, and 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 really, his growing understanding of the professional game—it all lines up for the Tie Cats to be um, very successful. But the one thing, notwithstanding that big comeback against Edmonton last week, the Tie Cats typically, when they have games where at least the last couple of years where they should win, where they should um, have some advantage, uh, they sometimes play down to their opponents. June Jones has talked about it, so. Um, this, I, I really believe this could be a, a drag out offensive battle. Um, but it's going to take, uh, as it always does when it comes to Hamilton this year, it's going to take a key play. It's going to come down to the last two minutes. It's, it's that 57 plus three is, as Mark Tristan always talks about. Um, I'm interested to see if the Ticats can build off of that win against Edmonton because Luke Tasker said that the Ticats do end up going to the Great Cup, they'll look back on that, that late comeback against Edmonton as a, as a, as a real signifier that, that the team had turned a corner. However, given the way the Argos um, have been playing and, and have played against, they themselves play down to opponents, but the way they play up to opponents, you think about that big comeback against uh, the Red Blacks and, and obviously the comeback against the BC Lions, um, this, is, th- th- this is so key because last season at this time, the Argos really picked up um, their play. I think they, I think they finished their season seven two, uh, on route to uh, on route to uh, the playoffs and getting to the Great Cup. This is uh, this is still uh, everything to play for, but that's just the nature of it. Once Labor Day comes around, everything starts to matter. Yep, and then you got the return game the following week. So these next two weeks for these two teams in the whole East Division, very big implications come playoff time. Uh, Matt, thank you so much, man. As always, take care. All right, you too, Matthew Shinetti. CFL on TSN Reporter on Twitter at TSN Shinetti. And folks, don't forget, next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Overdrive with Hayes, Noodles, and the O-Dog as we creep ever closer to Maple Leafs training camp on September 13th. That is coming up very soon. Still to come on Toronto today. There is so much to talk about in the NFL and fantasy football and everything with the National Football League. We're going to go over it all with Andrew Garda from Pro Football Weekly at 
1220. We'll get back into our Maple Leafs and Raptors Twitter poll, which you can go ahead and vote on on Twitter at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. After the moves the Raptors and Leafs made this summer and expectations at an all-time high, what's more likely to happen this season? Leafs make the Cup Finals. Raptors in the NBA Finals. Leafs and Raps make the Finals. Neither make the Finals. Those are your choices. And if you want to get all set up for the CFL Labor Day weekend, you can check out CFL Weekly. I got it pinned on my Twitter at AndyMC81. Spoke a lot of Argos, Deron Carter, and a look around the East Division with Mike Hogan and Power Rankings and CFL Fantasy with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. So we got that for you. And then tomorrow, it's the NFL show, baby. TSN 4 Downs, 11 a.m. every Saturday here on TSN 1050. So a lot of football coming up on the station over the next few days. We're going to step aside and we'll talk some Leafs. We'll get into some more NFL storylines, including Colin Kaepernick. Having a case. It looks like it's moving forward against the NFL for collusion. We'll get into that much more here on Toronto Today on TSN 1050.